Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to a special episode of Media Confidential with me, Alan Rusbridger in London. And me, Lionel Barber in Colorado. It's an unscheduled episode, but one we thought was vital. It all stems from a selection of tweets liked and reposted by Sir Paul Marshall, co-owner of GB News. An investigation by Hope Not Hate, along with the News Agents podcast, has revealed that Sir Paul has liked and retweeted tweets filled with racist and Islamophobic content. We'll come on to why this matters shortly, but here's just a flavour of the sort of tweets he's endorsed. Quotes, If we want European civilization to survive, we need not to just close the borders, but to start mass expulsions immediately. We don't stand a chance unless we start that very process soon. And here's another one. It's only a matter of time before civil war starts in Europe. The native European population is losing patience with the fake refugee invaders. Marshall seems drawn to two accounts in particular. World by Wolf is an anti-Muslim account. So far this year, he's liked or retweeted 16 tweets from them. And then there's Amy Meck. Amy Meckelberg, to use her full name, was described by HuffPost a few years back as, I'm quoting here, Alan, Trump's loudest anti-Muslim Twitter troll. A quick glance at her profile on X reveals that her latest repost was a video clip of a public stoning. It doesn't take long to work out what her political views are. Well, among her anti-Islamic posts sits one that Marshall reposted warning over the, quotes, four stages of Islamic conquest. And when you dig deeper, you'll see that she's fully behind the so-called Great Replacement Theory which is an ethno-nationalist conspiracy theory warning that indigenous European, i.e. white, populations are being replaced by non-European immigrants. Well, what's the response from Paul Marshall to the revelation that he's been not only liking this material, but spreading it? He's been retweeting it and therefore uh, amplifying these views. Uh, They say Paul Marshall's account is private, but is nonetheless followed by 5,000 people, including many journalists. I'm quoting from their statement. Uh, He posts on a wide variety of subjects, and those cited represent a small and unrepresentative sample of those 5,000 posts. This sample does not represent his views. As most Twitter-X users know, it can be a fountain of ideas, but some of it is of uncertain quality, and all his posts have now been deleted to avoid any further misunderstanding. So in today's special episode, why do these controversial reposts and likes on X matter? So what time is it there in the US, Lionel? Oh, it's uh, 7am, Alan, but you know, this is 24-7 news 
and I'm happy to join this discussion. Your dedication is outstanding. Well, look, let's begin by explaining who exactly uh, Sir Paul Marshall is. He was described by The Guardian as a hedge fund founder who's an early investor in GB News, along with the uh, Legatum Group in uh, based in Dubai. But he's uh, being touted by the conservative circles as a media mogul in waiting. He's got 45% stake in GB News. He's worth about £680 million, according to the Sunday Times. Uh, he started out in finance with BlackRock, the investment fund, and then founded Marshall Wace, the $62 billion fund he uh, still chairs. He also owns and runs the Academy Schools chain, Arc. They might have some uh, views about this kind of content that he's been uh, liking and spreading. He uh, founded the political website Unheard in 2017. And of course, he's he's been in the news recently because he's one of the leading candidates to buy the Daily Telegraph and the Sunday Telegraph. Yes, I must say that uh, in a recent podcast with you, Alan, I was uh, even suggesting he might be the favourite, but we'll come to that. Anyway, let's be very clear about what he's done. He's changed his ex-profile to a private setting meaning he's restricted who can view his posts. He's renamed his profile to at Eropagos123. He's also removed any identifying information from his profile. Incidentally, Eropagos Ventures is the name of a company he set up in 2021, and it comes from a reference to... to Ariopagitica. I knew you'd I did, I did this. I did this for A-level English. Ariopagitica. Unfortunately, I didn't do A-level English. Um... French and German. Anyway, the serious point here is this is John Milton's polemic in defence of free speech. Then he started endorsing posts, um, not just the anti-Islamic ones we've mentioned. There's one which is really pouring cold water on the whole theory of uh, climate change. He liked Elon Musk not one cent more uh, against funding the war in Ukraine against Russia. Uh, and um, the climate change, the, the climate sceptic post w- was from a, a, a group called Wide Awake Media. Yeah, well, all this matters because a, a person with far-right views could be at the head of the Telegraph. Uh, he obviously aims to grow GB News into a Fox-style channel, the beginnings of a media empire, and he's aligned, at least in terms of his views, with some pretty dubious characters. I think the first point is, do these retweets and the direct association of Sir Paul Marshall with Islamophobia, I mean, it's pretty clear from from what he's been doing and the fact that these posts have since been deleted. Do you think that that disqualifies him from ownership of the Telegraph? Yeah, I, I mean, as far as I remember, there's only been one attempt, one successful attempt to disbar somebody on fit and proper grounds from owning a newspaper, and that was a um, a porn uh, operator called David Sullivan, who you may remember was stopped from owning the Bristol Evening Post in the 1990s. But that no one managed to stop Richard Desmond, who was also a porn operator, from um, owning the the Express. And there have been a series of um, crooks and oddballs who've uh, ended up owning newspapers since then. So I don't think this is enough to stop him um, from uh, owning the Telegraph, though I think the people who have been squealing and shouting about the UAE owning the Telegraph, if you might have expected some of those to say something in the last 24 hours 
about these kind of views. Um, do you do you agree with that, Lionel? That it's unlikely to stop him. Yeah, because it's a. First of all, uh, he's, it's not a criminal offence as such. Um, I mean, incitement to violence. If you're liking a tweet or reposting something which is a controversial, and we'll get into some of the uh, the nature of these retweets, but um, I think it does put into context um, the campaign, which has been very effective, saying that it is completely unacceptable for the Telegraph Group to be owned by, and it's not just the UAE, that is the Abu Dhabi, Dubai, the Gulfies, along with an American uh, investment group called Redbird, uh, headed by Jeff Zucker, um, former uh, boss of CNN. The the ownership of GB News matters here in, in two respects. One is the guy is clearly trying to be a mini Murdoch. He he wants to have a media empire. Uh, and he's succeeding at the moment. He's got a very opinionated TV channel, um, which um, will come onto Ofcom and why Ofcom doesn't seem to be very interested in it. Um, and he may well get his hands on the Telegraph now. So why does he want that kind of uh, influence in the same way that, that Murdoch did? So I think we have to cast our minds to what's going to happen after the, the election, which we assume that Labour is going to win. And we can already see the the bloodletting that's going to happen in the Tory party. Uh, we, I mean, in the last 24 hours, we've had, I don't know whether you caught this, Lionel, Truss appeared on Steve Bannon's show. Did you see that? Oh, Alan, I was watching parts of it at 6.30 this morning, um, preparing for this podcast. He accused the Economist and the Financial Times of being part of the deep state. Uh, well, uh, I'm former deep state then, but no, I, I did. And of course, the association with Bannon, Alan, uh, formerly the counsellor and campaign operator who, who helped run uh, Donald Trump's campaign in 2016, far-right, alt-right. This, these views, and certainly on, you know, the great replacement theory, the idea that Western civilization is under attack, that is straight out of Steve Bannon's playbook. So it comes back to what we were talking about in an earlier podcast, Alan, about what is actually going on in the Conservative Party and also outside it, the way it's drifting rightwards. I think back to Enoch Powell in 1968 and Edward Heath sacked him from his job in the, as Shadow Defence Minister for that famous Rivers of Blood speech. But I think that sounds like songs of praise compared with the kind of stuff that you're now getting uh, on GB News and in these, specifically in these tweets that uh, the owner of GB News has been tweeting. And you've also had Suella Braverman writing in The Telegraph uh, in the last 24 hours about how the Islamists are now in charge of Britain uh, and urging a fight back, quotes, if we're to have any chance of saving our country from the mob. So you've got a new kind of ugly rhetoric on the right uh, and the prospect of Sir Paul Marshall, who's clearly in sympathy, whatever he says about um, this doesn't represent his views. Uh, it's difficult to credit that a, a, a man who's built up a £600 million fortune doesn't know that if he likes and spreads by retweeting material that people will interpret that as being what he believes. And he's going to be the ring holder in this debate. 
This is a special episode of Media Confidential, and coming up, we'll be discussing what the endorsements of Sir Paul Marshall actually means for the media industry in this country and politics as a whole. We'll be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Take out a digital subscription to Prospect and enjoy a one-month free trial to our digital content. You'll immediately get full access to rigorously fact-checked, truly independent analysis and perspectives. There's no commitment. You can cancel at any time. And to take advantage of this offer, visit our website or go to your favourite search engine and search for Prospect Magazine subscription. Okay, Lionel, so we've, we've discussed the Telegraph. We, we think it's probably not enough to um, technically to stop him from owning uh, the Telegraph. But what about Ofcom? Uh, we know that they've been... Uh, in some views, asleep at the wheel. Do you think this is going to wake them up? Well, I do. Uh, Certainly, it should do. Alan, you've been uh, on this theme for weeks, saying that they've pussyfooted around the blurring of, well, it's the law, and uh, on due impartiality. They've been uh, inviting politicians, elected politicians, acting as presenters, blurring the line between news and opinion, with opinion coming first. Well, look, here on these tweets, this is opinion. And it's actually inflammatory. It's racist. It's Islamophobic. And it seems to me, if the man who is the co-owner of GB News supports these views, the idea has no influence on the content of what's going on at GB News is for the birds. So I think it's time for Ofcom to wake up. I, I think so too, because I, I think so far the the high panjandrums at Ofcom have really positioned this as a kind of sort of free speech issue. Uh, you know, whatever the law says, we don't want to be the sort of nanny state telling people what they can and what they can't say. Uh, I mean, I've always found that a difficult argument because if you look at the... Um, the range of presenters which go from Jacob Rees-Mogg to Nigel Farage via Lee Anderson, Neil Oliver, Richard Tice. I mean, a, a kid of 15 could see that this is not a an impartial spread of presenters. But nevertheless, Ofcom uh, have so far been uh, inclined to indulge them. But now you, you've got an insight into Sir Paul Marshall's mind his preoccupations, some, you might even say his obsessions, Hope Not Hate worked out that it was about a quarter of his tweets this year 
have been from extremist organizations. He's been retweeting people like Britain First, which is a sort of reincarnation of the National Front. So once you've got a sense of this guy's mind uh, and the kind of content that he is happy to see on GB News, surely that puts a different context on his ownership and his purpose in owning that channel and for allowing it to take the shape that it has. Alan, obviously, you can't say that television or newspapers, radio, shouldn't be debating the right levels of immigration in a country that obviously can be disturbing to communities. There is an imposition on social services. These kind of questions are legitimate for debate. But if you're talking about mass expulsions civil war, that takes it into a hugely different realm. Um, It could be construed as an incitement to violence. It's playing on people's paranoia. And actually, it places support uh, by association with the views of far-right groups elsewhere. Look at the AFD in Germany, Marine Le Pen, although she's moved a bit in France, and obviously uh, Mr Salvini in Italy. That's where he is now. And, and Eric Zemmour in, in France, a sort of um, quasi-fascist uh, pretender to power there, who is a great fan of this great replacement theory, which, um, which Marshall seems keen to, to promote. In his early days, he was associated with the Liberal Party. Obviously, he's interested in education. That's why he's sponsoring those academy schools. But the key point is that in his if you like, intellectual evolution in his uh, desire to be more influential in the media space. It matters a great deal what he thinks. And if he's espousing or supporting groups or the views of groups that are on the far right, that's extremely concerning. And the fact that these tweets were deleted, I think, speaks volumes. What do you think of his defence, that the fact that he retweets and likes his stuff doesn't mean that he agrees with them? Well, that's weasel words, really, isn't it? I mean, I, look, I do use Twitter and even Next. I think the service has declined in terms of quality. You use it, you've, you've, you've got twice as many followers, I think something like 220,000 or so com- compared to my little mini 112,000. But we won't get into numbers here. But the serious point is... When you like something, and certainly if you repost something, then that is akin to supporting the view, that you're sympathetic to that view. That's what liking means. And let's not forget, Alan, people applying for jobs. Uh, I've been involved in appointments, including a couple in foundations in America, senior appointments. One of the things they do is go through the social media record to see if there's anything which is deemed uh, inflammatory, racist, displaying a poor lack of judgment, all these things. It matters in employment. If you were a betting man, do you think that Ofcom will now pay more attention to this? Well, I'm not a betting man and I don't have a lot of faith in the leadership at Ofcom right now. But if they don't feel that this story sheds light on the views of the co-owner of GB News and don't think that this is relevant, I think they really are falling down on their job. I do think that 
with a new government, if there is a new government. We mustn't never presume, but obviously the Labour Party's lead is very significant. I think you might well see some changes at Ofcom. I was going to say that the Labour Party seems to have been silent on this in the last 24 hours, and I haven't seen any follow-up in, in the mainstream media. Does that surprise you? I mean, I, I'm trying to read who's on what side in terms of this bid is uh, requires a sort of PhD in newspaper ownership studies. But does it surprise you that no one's really picked up on this? And then the news agents did a terrific podcast on this um, yesterday afternoon. We'll have to wait for the Sunday newspapers, I, I think, on this. My inclination as an editor would be to do a proper profile of Sir Paul Marshall, because now we know more about what his views are and the state of his mind, and that might stimulate further debate and, and certainly shed light on who these people are seeking more influence on the British media scene. Well, look, thank you, Lionel, for getting up early for this uh, special edition and watch this space. The battle for the Daily Telegraph has just got twice as interesting. And I think if, if Ofcom doesn't regard this as a shot in the arm in terms of waking them up and paying attention to what's going on at GB News and the reasons for uh, the, the kind of channel that it's become, then Ofcom should be shut up and closed down. Thank you for joining us uh, in this brief and unplanned appearance. Uh, and uh, Lionel, you go back to bed and I'm going to go and walk the dog. Well, thanks, Alan. Um, I'm up fresh, incredibly stimulated by this conversation, looking out on some snow-capped mountains here in Aspen. Um, but I, I will be reflecting further on this story and perhaps thinking about what I would be doing or what you might be doing if we were covering this story in our old jobs as editors. But, big point, next week, I have that feeling, that editor gut feeling that we're going to be returning to this story. I think we will. And thank you to all of our listeners uh, for tuning in. And remember, you can contact us at mediaconfidential at prospectmagazine.co.uk or get in touch with us uh, on X, formerly Twitter. Uh, our accounts are open, unlike Sir Paul Marshall's, and we are at MediaConfPod. Thank you for listening to Media Confidential, brought to you by Prospect Magazine and Fresh Air. The producer is Martin Points Roberts. We'll see you next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.